Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. While I'm standing here, I just feel the Holy Spirit. Um, He's given me several messages recently that I haven't preached anywhere. uh, And then I've just changed them in the worship. So... So I'm going to change them. I'm just going to run through some scriptures. I I was trying to, while Cheryl was talking, thinking to myself, do I have an intro, a middle and an end? And... uh but I, I, I've no idea. But what I do have is some Bible verses and a, and a message which I want to share with you uh, tonight about what God is speaking over this house. I, I, I sometimes, uh, sometimes it, it's good to lay aside the, the pre-prepared and, uh, and fair, um, carefully crafted words for something that is uh, sharp. Uh, like a two-edged sword, and so we're going we're to go for a sharp two-edged sword message tonight. Is that all right? And uh, so let's just pray for the anointing, because I need it really now. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this house. We, we pray that your anointing just come down and touch us. We pray, Lord, let your word be released, and let, let there be a divine impartation of your word to release power in people's hearts and minds. Let there be a quickening of your spirit for an empowerment of the call of God on people's lives. Let there be a revelation and understanding of people's true identity and their capacity and their worth as they contribute to building of the house of God in your mighty name. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. Joel chapter 2, which is a scripture that we started our vision uh, Sunday from. Joel chapter 2 um, and uh, verse, um, uh, verse uh, 17, we'll read from. And um, we'll go from Joel 2 chapter... I'm gonna, I can't do that from there. I can't even see it. Okay, Joel chapter 2. Uh, and we'll read um, down um, verse... Uh, we'll read from verse 19 and then we'll... I'll stop when we get to the bit that I want to stop at. And uh, so we'll read from it. It says, um, but I, um, what does it say? The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil and you will be satisfied by them. And I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations, but I will remove far from you the northern army and I will drive him away into a barren and desolate land and his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will rise because he has done monstrous things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice for the Lord has done marvelous things. I often stop and speak about these things. I think it's a, uh, I've never prepared a message on it, but I, I perhaps I will one day, but um, I've, we could call it the big stink, couldn't we? Um, but do you know what? The, the enemy, uh, the enemy um, creates a foul odour of the works that he does. There's, a, there's always this sense that, that, that the enemy is doing things which causes people dismay. Uh, and today's society is a society that is, is, is wrapped in, in, in confusion uh, and a lack of identity, and we've got to speak the word of God. But it says, wherever the enemy has done monstrous things, that God has done marvelous things. We should never be afraid of what the enemy has done because God has counteracted all wickedness. 
that comes from the enemy, um, that all wickedness that comes from Satan, um, God has counteracted that with marvelous and wonderful things. I heard a quote um, last week. So it wasn't something that I'd really thought about much until the quote was said. But um, the, uh, the guy was preaching and, and he said, he said the opposite of the the opposite of God is not the devil. There is no, there is no opposite of God. the The opposite of the devil in terms of heavenly counterparts is Michael the archangel. So in the heavenly realm, there was Michael the archangel. There was Lucifer, and there was Gabriel, and and Michael uh, and Lucifer fell. So, so Satan is a created being. He, he has no greater power and no greater ability than, than that of a created being. But God, who is the creator, the wonder of, of all creation, that, that he has spoken and things have become formed, that he is the creator of our lives, the creator of the universe, the creator of our hearts and minds, the creator of our eternity, the creator of our salvation, the creator of our redemption, the creator. In the invention of his heart, he has created a path of redemption and hope for us through the midst of every confusion, through the midst of every shadow and every doubt. He's created a path of deliverance for us. And we have to know the power of our king. I spat all over you right then. I you didn't see it. I, I saw it. I saw the lights. It was illuminated from this side as it just went all over you in Jesus' name. And uh, <laughs> and so we have to understand that the, that God has done marvelous things. And then it says, do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their Strength, be glad, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the rain, former rain, faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the last month. And, and just as, as Heidi was speaking, I, I'm not even preaching on this verse either, but, but, um, but, but, but it's important to understand the, the former rain and the latter rain, the former rain, was always the, the first rain, and the first rains were always uh, important, but the latter rains were always double that of the former rain. Yeah. And these are the days of the latter rain. Yeah. That God is pouring out his rain upon us, and the spirit of outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it says, The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locust has Eaten. And I will speak tonight about the, the restoration of the of the restoration of the house of God. That God is restoring a mo- the church of Jesus Christ, and there is a restoration of the house of God. And and I, I want you to understand this is more than just a voice, a message about a congregation, about our own personal uh, journey, that, that this story about how the church is growing. This is not about the Junction Church Aberdeen. It's about the kingdom of God and, and understanding that, that when God is restoring, he is, is building up a house that has a significant voice and knows how to bring the marvelous things that are in the kingdom of God to counteract the monstrous things that are in the world. 
See, the world carries with it monstrous things and they know, have no idea what to do with them. Things, monstrous things arise in their midst and they say, how did this happen? I do not understand. It must be somebody else's fault. And so they begin to understand. And it's because of the decisions, the culture, the mindsets, the blindness of their own eyes. They, our society does not understand the consequences of the decisions that they make, they take upon themselves. And so in the blindness of society's life, Things rise up. The crisis of today's culture arises up. But marvelous things are rising up in the house of God. Marvelous things are rising out of the church. And so, so I, I want you to understand that there is a marvelous thing. That God is calling his, the church to be a church that is restoring the walls that were knocked down. Now, I, I spoke about this a little bit this morning, and, and I, I felt that I needed to come back to it. And so we're going to go to Nehemiah in a moment and speak about the, the, the restoration of those things which have been, which have been knocked down. And, and when, we, um, when the kingdom of God is built, God comes and he brings people to a place of, um, he brings people to a place of, of, of knowing him and, and and there is a lot of work that is put into building of people's lives. And, and people come into the church and, and a lot of work is put in. But the enemy comes along and he tries to rob, to kill, to steal and destroy. That's what, that's, he, that's what the devil does. He, he tries to destroy things. He, he has no other... He, you can always tell where he's been. <laughs> because, you know, he just destroys stuff. He doesn't know how not to. And so he's been a destroying... Um, force that is constantly trying to knock down but but I want to come to the point in in Nehemiah and we'll go to Nehemiah chapter 2 and I want us to have a look at at what's going on Nehemiah um, excuse me just take the microphone down I'm just going to cough a little bit (laughs) I got a tickle in my throat (laughs) right there we go bring that back (laughs) I've had this little tickly cough the last few nights and um, I'm aware that the worst thing you can do is cough in the middle of the night, right? Particularly when you're facing Cheryl, I'm like, so I wake up and then I go, (laughs) (laughs) I'm aware that it's like, you can only get away with that once in in a night and then otherwise, in your life, yeah, and then otherwise you're just going to have to get up and go somewhere else, sleep on the sofa. So... uh, um, Nehemiah, uh, so we're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 2. And we're going to come down to the, um, we're going to come down the end here. Um, I haven't written down the verses, so we're just going to find them. But it speaks about how Nehemiah went around the walls. In verse 14, he says, Then I went around to the fountain gate, to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up, to the, I went up in the night by the valley, and viewed the wall, then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I'd gone or what I'd done. I had not told, yet told the Jews, the priests and nobles and officials or the others who did the work. When I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a Reproach, And we have to understand that God wants us to build the walls of the kingdom of God. And understanding what the walls of the kingdom, the walls of Jerusalem 
were the walls. When the walls were broken down, there was a reproach. Now, what that means is that the, the, the lines of who you are, the identity of the house, the, the definition of the voice of God, the marvelous things that God is doing in the kingdom of God is that he is setting out a definition of the church so that there is a definition between church and society. You with me here? Yeah. It, not that it is a, a, a contradictory or, or, or a, a voice of, of judgment. That has, been, that has been the mistake many times in past that Christians have risen up in anger and judgment. Jesus said, I did not come to judge this world, but to save it. But to save it, you have to have a defining line as to where is life and where is death. <laughs> You've got to know where the line is. If you don't have a line, then confusion reigns. And so the house of God is raising up with a message of grace, a message of restoration and what it takes for a life to be restored and for hearts to be, to be returned to the, the purpose for what God created them to be. And, and, and so... For us to, to understand that the voice of the house of God, to raise up men and women with the courage to be able to speak to our friends and neighbours, speak into positions of power and authority in councils, speak into schools and, and speak into and have a voice and say, this is what the church is all about. Yeah. This is who we are. This is, this is our line. This is what is godly. This is what is restoration. This is what will bring hope into your lives. And, and I, I want to speak with a prophetic edge tonight over this congregation. And, say, and I really know that as I've been praying, God is saying over this house, he is making you ministers of grace for this city. Just making you ministers of grace. He's, he's putting something deep on the inside of your heart that you may have great impact and great effect. And, 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 and just as Nehemiah rose up to speak to the people of Israel, the Jews, to, to rebuild, so everyone around began to stir up and go, let's rebuild the walls. Amazing that no one had said it before or no one had felt they could rebuild it just looked at it broken and gone it's broken you know how you know how you can look at stuff and you just get used to it broken so you never fix it you know that you know when you live in a house and and you never fix stuff until you go to sell it and the only reason you're fixing it is not because you want it fixed it's because you know that nobody else would accept that as something to buy So when you put your house on the market, you fix the broken things. And, and then you think to yourself, why didn't we fix that before? It's because you got used to it broken. Yes. And it's amazing how you get used to things which are broken. But let's look at the house of God and go, we're building a, a church that has got such a strong message of hope. Such a strong message of restoration. Such a strong message that is, that is uh, that it's being spoken over, over the city. And it says... In verse 37, um, he said, Come, let us build the wall that they may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Now, note that Sambalat and Tobiah, um, who are the famous enemies of this process, they have become the acronyms of, 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 of everything that is um, sort of uh, of any 
challenge or difficulty we have when we try to do something good. We always talk about the, the opposition as being like Sam Ballot, Sam Ballot and Tobiah. We speak about these voices that raise up. And there is always a voice of opposition for something that you're called to do that is good. Always a voice of opposition. So let's just quickly go over to chapter 3. There's something I want you to see here. Uh, and then it says, Eliashib, the high priest, rose with his brethren, the priests, and they built the sheep gate and they concentra- consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated, then as far as the Tower of Haniel. Now, Next to Elisheb, the men of Jericho built. And that's another thing. So Jews were coming from across, uh, across Israel to rebuild Jerusalem. And what that means is that men, uh, men were rising up to say, we can build, we can be a part of this. That people were coming from different places. I want to prophesy and speak out. People are coming from different places to say, we can build this thing. We can build a house of God that can make a great voice and have an amazing impact upon the city. We can build this thing. And so, but notice who start, who rises first. It's the high priest that rises. The man who's responsible, his skill set is in prayer. It's in killing sheep. He's really good at killing animals, right? Um, his skill set is in killing, but it's not building. But he rises up and he, with the priests... He puts aside his nobility, he puts aside his status, and he says, we are going to build. We've got to understand that the church has to rise up and say, we are the ministers of this city. The city doesn't necessarily understand who the ministers are because the city is just a city. It's just most people in this city, they get up, they go to work, they don't know, left or right. They're just doing the thing, they do the best they know to do. It is our responsibility to rise up and say, this is what we can do. This is how we can build. That's one of the reasons why we're building downstairs a sensory area for children with special needs, autistic children, uh, because it's a need in the city. It's the church rising up as ministers saying, this is what we can build. So we can make an impact upon the community, to make a space where, where parents with children with special needs can come and have great coffee and have a re- relaxing time. We're building the walls. Yeah, yeah. And so what it is, is Elias, and notice this, he builds the walls to the sheep gate. And the sheep gate is simply this. It's the gate they bring the sheep so that they can sacrifice them. In other words... So knowing the priority that we must always build up in our lives first. We're going to do anything. We first build our lives centered towards the cross of Jesus Christ. For Jesus is the lamb that laid down his life for us. Are you with me here? Because Jesus is the lamb that laid down his life for us. The wall that gets built first is the sheep gate. So that there is a consecration of everything. Let's build the most important bit. This wall here, the first bit that begins to be built. And what happens is as they're building the sheep gate, there is a simultaneous build that everyone starts building together. Now I need you to get this because what happens when something is being rebuilt... 
is that every stone that has been rolled away is taken back and put back into place. Now, when things are built, much time and preparation is put into layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. But when God does a restoration, he restores it greater. He always restores it greater. And he restores it faster. Because the things that were broken down are now there. The things that we need to build for the city, they're they're, they're here. The things we need to build with, the things that you can do. You go, well, I'm, I'm not a minister. I'm not a builder. I don't know what I'm doing. Absolutely no one in Jerusalem was qualified to build a wall. And none of them were builders of walls. There was, a, there was a complete lack of wall building. No one had even thought that that was a business worth doing. Build a wall, yeah, it falls over. Nobody thought about becoming wall builders. Brickies. It wasn't a job that was advertised for that much. But men and women arose in Jerusalem. You'll read there that they... Um, that the women rose as well and worked with them. I can't remember the verse, but there is a verse in there, you'll find it, that speaks of them, that they rise up. And so we see in Nehemiah chapter 3, that they start to build. And you'll read right through that as they come, they're building right through. You just keep going through all of those verses, that the priests and the men and the ministers, and they rise up and they build across and they build it up. Now come to... um, Come to um, chapter 4. It says here, so in verse 1, so it happened when Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren, the army of Samaria, uh, Samaria, and he said to them, what are these feeble Jews doing that they will fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burnt? Now Tobiah the Amorite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, even a fox goes upon it and he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So this is Nehemiah's prayer. In verse 6, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. So we see that the whole wall is being built. It's got to half the height. So there's still a long way to go. Now it happened... I can't tell you how many times I experienced this in church life, right? I can't tell you how many times that we're halfway through something that's exciting. So it happened. Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made a prayer to God because of them. We set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, listen to this, then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And our adversaries, they will neither 
know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we have come into the midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. Notice that Judah is now confessing the lies of Sanballat and Tobiah. They said, this is what our... This is what our adversaries have said. And so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times. They told us ten times from whatever place you turn, they'll be upon us. They've built half the wall. They've got this momentum. Yes, we're going to build the wall. Then this unsettling comes. Oh, they, they want people are out to get us. Oh, this is, this is going, oh no, this is. And they begin to speak words that would destroy the work they've already done. I cannot get it into your heart and mind enough to understand this. The voice of the house of God must lay a hold of those things which God has spoken and not repeat the words which the enemy has spoken. You remember when God sent out the children to Israel and He's, the, they cross the Jordan and Joshua is looking up at Jericho and Joshua is told by God, walk around Jericho in silence. Walk around in silence. On the seventh day, you will go around and you will let out a mighty shout of praise. Yeah. You know, there was a reason for the silence. God could not trust the Jews were walking around this wall and not saying they're going to kill us. <laughs> we're doomed. Look at us. What are we doing here? Look at that dirty, great big wall. Look how deep it is. You can build a city inside the wall, let alone the city out inside, inside the wall. The, the city itself, the wall itself is a city. A huge walls. And, and God says, just shut up. <laughs> Just be quiet. Just zip your mouth. Don't speak. Because if you're going to say something, and it's something which is going to undermine those words, the fear that you feared shall come upon you, is what Job said. The fear that I feared has come upon me. You see, what you confess according to your fear becomes the reality of your life because you give it power. To take over. Yeah. And so we see here that before they said that, Nehemiah is doing all the right things. But despite all the right things that Nehemiah is doing, it's being undermined, it's being threatened because the people who are working are gripped by the fear of the enemy. That's yeah. become the fear of the enemy has become their reality. And it's, and it's fair to know why, right? They've only ever known the fear of the enemy. The voice of God is a strange thing to them. Faith is unusual. This is, this is a new momentum, a new excitement. Yay, we can do this. Whoa, wait a sec. I, I, stupid us. There we were for a moment, believing we could build a wall. What, what were we thinking? I think we should go home. What were we, a stupid thing to do. Look at the Canaanites. Look at the Amorites. Look at the, uh, those from Samaria. Look, look at all of these people. Of course they're going to take over us. doesn't matter which way we turn. There's too much rubbish. 
And here's the thing. We become overwhelmed by the mess of our lives rather than by the voice that God has spoken to clear it. Rather than by the voice that God has spoken to clear it. And so we can understand this. See, in the, in the middle, I've worked, I've made a lot of things. I've made um, a lot of furniture. I've got a workshop at the moment that's, that's in a, it's just, um, it's gathered a lot of things. And uh, <laughs> Andy's waving and grinning at me. Uh, he's contributed a lot of the things that it's gathered. And uh, let's say they're not in all the right place. And even a lot of my tools are actually not in the A lot of my tools are downstairs here rather than back home. And I'm looking at my workshop. And, but I've noticed this. I, once I've tied in my workshop, then I can work. Um, but I've noticed this. But once I'm halfway through a job, that's the most difficult time. The most difficult time you're halfway through because you've got everything going on. You need the materials you need to build. You've got the waste of what you were building with is now building up. It's the most difficult time is the one halfway through because you haven't got enough of the item built to clear. And so you don't know which way to turn. And it's one where you need the greatest sense of concentration. And I, I want you to understand that. We need to get our voice focused. And this is what Nehemiah speaks out. And it happened. Now let's look at this verse. Verse 13. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set the people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and I rose and I said to the nobles. Now. We've got to understand that there is a note there about the nobles. Um, there are people who, um, yeah, I'm not going to get into the nobles, actually. That's another message altogether. But they're uh, not very nice people. Anyway, because <laughs> they wouldn't build. Said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your house. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. And so we've got to know, understand that, that when we get into the battle, the, the, the fight, we are there first to build a wall, but we must always have with us is the shield of faith and the, and the sword. The sword of the word of God. We might need to have the sword and we need to have the shield and we need to have on the armory of God knowing that at any moment we need to rise and defend that which God has called us to build. This house is called to build a church. A church of great influence. A church which loves our community. Which speaks hope and direction. Into every situation. Which speaks prosperity and vision. In the midst of great poverty. And great hardship. And, and there are people in this city. That are struggling financially. They, they've, they've known wealth. And now they have. And now they are, their lives have been broken. By, the, by the, the recession of the oil industry. And, but God has a voice. A message for them. Yes. To know how to break through. Because he doesn't want families broken. He wants families built. Amen. Yes. And so we're here to build hope. We're here to 
reveal the lines in which God builds people, causes them to prosper, causes them to walk into a way of, as they walk in the way of honour, and knowing that the house of God, where we first come before the cross of Jesus Christ, we come before him building. And so let's go on. I just want you to go, um, I think it's chapter 6, it could be chapter 5. No, chapter 5 is about the bad nobles, right? Verse 1, now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab and the rest of the enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there was no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates that Sambala and Geshem said to me, saying, come, let us meet together among the villages on the plain of Ono that they brought to do me harm. Now, so I sent messages saying, I'm doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while, while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Now look at this. And Sambala sent his servants to me as before the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand, as it was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these re- rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And as you also have appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, let us consult together. Then I sent to him, saying, no such thing as you say are being done, but you invented them in your own heart. I I need you to understand the enemy causes an invention of discouragement that happens in your heart. What you invent in your heart is not true. What is invented in the hearts of others is is not true. Um, I once had a a friend um, who was convinced a a few years ago that um, because we were believing for finances, it was a different season of financial believing for and and we were just believing and and he's coming just going oh that's it the the church is good the church is finished what do you mean church is finished the church is finished and he's 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 telling everyone i said the church isn't finished we're just believing god we're just resting in his faith his grace his favor oh that's the church is finished i i need you to understand that he just fear caused him to invent something in his head fear of course, he soon realized that church wasn't finished. He, he came back the next week and there we were. <laughs> and the next week after that, it's like, oh, yeah. A few years go by. It's like, oh, perhaps they're not finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, people invent things according to their fear. And I, what I, I want you to do, see, champions, champions know they're winners because they're winners. There's, it's quite a very basic rationale. I'm a winner because I'm a winner. It's very difficult to beat a champion because even when they're losing, have you noticed that? You notice that in tennis or it is that they can be losing. A tennis player, a great champion tennis player can be losing and, and just not playing that well and still they win. How do they do that? Because they're winners. They just go, oh, it's time to win now. And they pull it out of themselves. See, even when you're losing, it's time to pull it out of yourself and say, I'm going to do this thing that God has called me to do. It isn't finished. I'm not listening to the lie. 
I'm not listening to the thing that it would defeat that would defeat me. I'm rising up. I will know the power of God's word over over my life to do great things. Let's stand up, shall we? Hallelujah. Father, I pray that there be a great understanding, a great empowerment of hope and vision to do great things. And I want you, church, to understand this. I really believe the Holy Spirit says, understand this, that as you call on my name, as you pray, as you offer your heart and life to me, before me in my presence, as you enter through the sheep gate and you come before the place of sacrifice and you offer your life once again before the king and you lay it before him and you say, take my life. As you enter into that whole process, know that as Jesus said, he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me Out of him shall flow the light of life. And so we need to understand that the light of God flows out of those who are given their heart to him. There is great power in your life to just love the person that's next to you, have I need you to understand that everyone is looking for the dramatic, the powerful. They're like, oh, I'm waiting for something powerful to happen. The wall is built by just picking up bricks and putting them on top of each other. It's simply people doing the work that's in front of them. Your neighbor is in front of you. Just love them. Don't invent anything. Just just love them. Every situation that you're praying for will come around. We can do great things for God as we just offer our heart and our life to Him now. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit rest upon each person in this house tonight. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.